Hey, I'm Pastor Joel, and I just want to say thank you for downloading or streaming this message today. My prayer for you is that you're blessed by the content that you hear. As a church, our desire is to make disciples of Jesus, and we do that by helping people to trust and follow Him in every aspect of their daily life. So if this is something that blesses you, we just hope that you'll feel free to share this with others so that they might be encouraged and challenged by it as well. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. Then Jesus told them this parable. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the ninety-nine in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. Then he calls his friends and his neighbors together and says, Rejoice, rejoice with me. I have found my lost sheep. I tell you that in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. Or suppose a woman has 10 silver coins and loses one. Doesn't she light a lamp, sweep the house, and search carefully until she finds it? And when she finds it, she calls her friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me, I have found my lost coin. In the same way, I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Jesus continued, There was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country, who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am, starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. Meanwhile, the older son was in the field. When he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked him what was going on. Your brother has come, he replied, and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. The older brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, Look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders, yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours who has squandered your property with prostitutes comes home, you kill the fattened calf for him. My son, the father said, you are always with me and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, 
Thank you that nothing is ever so lost that it can't be found, and no one is ever too far that they can't come home. I ask that you would just take this passage that many of us have probably heard more than a time or two, and just breathe new life into it as it's entered our ears tonight or today. I just ask, Father, that you would help us to love as you have loved us. Amen. Thank you guys for reading that. Uh, that sets us up well for this morning. Uh, but first, I want to tell you about a business. Uh, this was in the north. They had the lumber company. And so they noticed, one of the employees noticed uh, over time, a couple months, that there seems to be uh, some losses. Some of the material is going missing. So he decides uh, to tell the vice president of the location that he's noticing that someone is taking um, these materials. And obviously someone's stealing from the company. So he brings that to the vice president. And the vice president thinks of how he can get to the bottom of who he's stealing. So he decides to get someone to come in and do a polygraph on all the employees. And so he does a polygraph on all the employees. And, well, basically nothing comes out of that. He, they can't find anything. So a week or so goes by, and a police officer is doing his routine inspection of the facility. He notices something fishy going on in the dark uh, in the back of the lot, and he goes to investigate. And sure enough, the thief was there, and they were able to catch him and... Of course, the reason it wasn't caught before, because the vice president was the one who was stealing the supplies. So, not very smart vice president. I would say uh, that was probably his last day there and probably didn't get another job as well. But it's such a great story for what we're going to look at today in Luke 16, um, which is lessons from an unrighteous manager. And Jesus is going to tell this parable to his disciples. And so, just remember that parables are stories that Jesus told that have spiritual implications behind them. So there's something that he wants us to learn from that, um, whoever the audience is. And so also to kind of lead up to this, uh, as I was studying to prepare to preach this passage, it's interesting watching Jesus um, through chapters 14 and 15. His audience and his focus is on the Pharisees. Uh, he's moving to Jerusalem. We're in this series from the cradle to the cross. So Jesus is making his way to Jerusalem to head to the cross. But he's having these encounters with the Pharisees. And Eric talked a little bit last week. Just He's meeting the Pharisees. He had dinner with them. Um, and Jesus is kind of talking about humility and different things like that. And the Pharisees, you know, were always looking from the perspective of they were righteous. And then Jesus kept eating with tax collectors and sinners. And so 15, 14 and 15, Jesus' focus is primarily to them. I mean, the lost coin, lost sheep prodigal son is about God cares about those who are lost, right? Jesus came to seek and save the lost, so his target was the Pharisees. But here, Jesus is actually changing his audience to the disciples. So if you guys will join me, we're going to look at Luke chapter 16, 1 through 13, uh, this parable. But I'm going to pray before I read this passage. Dear Heavenly Father, God, I just thank you for your word, God, that it brings life and brings truth to our hearts, God, that so much need it. God, I pray that our ears are open this morning um, to your word, God, and you just let it wash over us um, and just help us to be more like you and to be thankful uh, for the goodness and grace that you show us, uh, even, God, when we uh, don't hold up our end of the bargain. It's in Jesus' name I pray, amen. 
Now he said to the disciples, There was a rich man who received an accusation that his manager was squandering his possessions. So he called the manager in and asked, What is this I hear about you? Give an account of your management, because you can no longer be my manager. Then the manager said to himself, What will I do since my, my master is taking the management away from me? I'm not strong enough to dig. I'm ashamed to beg. I know what I'll do then when I'm removed from management. People will welcome me into their homes. So he summoned each one of his master's debtors. How much do you owe my master? He asked the first one. A hundred measures of olive oil, he said. Take your invoice, he told him. Sit down quickly and write fifty. Next, he asked another, how much do you owe? A hundred measures of wheat, he said. Take your invoice, he told him, and write eighty. The master praised the unrighteous manager because he acted shrewdly. For the children of this age are more shrewd than the children of light in dealing with their own people. And I tell you, make friends for yourself by means of worldly wealth, so that when it fails, they may welcome you into the eternal dwellings. Whoever is faithful in very little is also faithful in much, and whoever is unrighteous in very little is also unrighteous in much. So if you have not been faithful with worldly wealth, who will trust you with what is genuine? And if you have not been faithful with what belongs to someone else, who will be faithful Um, Who will give you what is your own? No servant can serve two masters, since either he will hate one and love the other, or he'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. So we see here that, again, Jesus is talking to his disciples. Um, If you would have kept reading, you hear that the Pharisees are actually nearby because they're going to respond uh, in verses 14 and 15, to Jesus talking about this subject. But this primarily is for his disciples and what we are doing here and now. Um, so Jesus uses this parable, and we see that we have two characters. We have this rich man or this owner, right? This owner of this land in the time. Um, this man probably had a lot of land, probably had a lot of different crops. We saw wheat, we saw olive oil, other things like that. He probably even had renters attend the property And so he needs someone to oversee that. And so therefore he uh, appoints this manager. And of course, we see that this manager is not doing very well with the responsibility that he's been given to take care of the stuff, right? It says he's squandering or he's wasting this this owner's possessions. And so we see that he brings them together and there's going to be some type of action required um, for this mismanagement, right? He's going to get fired. Um, for the lack of not stewarding well what he has been given. And that's kind of the first point I want to make, is that for us, even as Jesus' disciples, uh, we are, you can put that up on the screen there for me. Yep, perfect. So as disciples of Jesus, we are stewards of all that we have been given. So family, jobs, resources, we have to give an account for how we have taken care of what has been given to us. So again, this parable has heavenly implications. So the owner here would be God, um, and then the manager would be us. And so even as believers, I think sometimes God is keeping track of how we manage the resources and time that he's been given us. And so we see that here just in this parable. And so the manager now has to figure out what he's going to do because the owner said, you're going to be fired. And so I don't know if you've ever thought about being fired from your job. It's pretty frightening. Uh, I'm a manager myself at Penske, and you know I have different tasks and responsibilities, and there's pressures. But if you've ever had to think about 
if you screwed up uh, and you're looking down to be fired, it's a scary thought. So he's trying to figure out what is he going to do uh, with this outcome to come. And we see he comes up with a couple options that he thinks himself through. He says, well, I'm not strong enough to dig. Um, we don't see here that he's not able to dig. He's just choosing that that would not be an option for him when he's let go from his job. Uh, and then he says he's ashamed to beg, so he's not going to beg either. So what exactly is he going to do to save himself, right? He's trying to preserve himself. What's the next step? How is he going to do that? And we see in verses 5 and 6 that he starts to summon the debtors of the master, right? And he tells them to come in and write down quickly uh, half in one case, 20% in another, and he keeps doing this and doing this. So that way he, doesn't gonna, he isn't going to fall on his face, but he has somewhere to go, right? He has somewhere to go, uh, and he is thinking about uh, how the kindness of these people hopefully are going to show him when he uh, is fired from his job, and it seems to be a few days later. And so that's something uh, I find interesting, is I think he does this, but then we see the owner come, and he's pleased, right? Or what does he say here in verse 8? Yeah, he praised the unrighteous manager. And so I think it's funny here, um, just thinking about this. I remember a time in class, uh, I think I was in elementary school, might have been middle school, and the teacher left and she was given a quiz and she went out of the room just for a minute in the hallway. And I remember two students hurry up and they were trying to change answers and cheat for one another. And they thought they had got it done. And then soon to know, I remember a few days later, they both had zeros on their quizzes because they couldn't fool the teacher. They thought they were fooling the teacher. And I think here the unrighteous manager thinks he is fooling the owner, but he is not. And I also think we try to fool God. That's my second point this morning is, yeah, we can't pull one over on God, right? Even when we think we're getting away with how we invest our time, talents, and resources for ourselves and for what we want to do, God knows our heart's true intentions. And I think that's what Jesus is really getting to and where he starts to shift here in verse 8. And this is kind of the change or the drama of this parable is because he praises the unrighteous manager um, because he acted shrewdly. And so what does shrewdly mean? It just means he was wise to set himself up when he, is gonna, when he was going to be fired. So he had an uncertain time, and it looked very grim, but he was smart and acted very quickly so that when he got thrown out, he has somewhere to go. In this passage um, and in this time, in the Jewish culture, if you did a favor for someone, then they were supposed to welcome you into their home or pay, pay that favor back. So... If you didn't do that, you actually were considered an outcast or it was considered, it was frowned upon. If someone showed you grace and showed you favor and you didn't show them that back, then that was considered frowned upon. So he actually, Jesus is saying, he acted wise and to make sure that when he was fired, he had a place to eat, he had a place to sleep. Um, he did this quickly. And so we can see that in the world, right? If we ever look at how the world is, um, it's pretty cutthroat out there, um, always thinking about how you can better yourself and um, what deals you can make, um, especially when I think Jesus is talking about the sons of this age versus the sons of light. People are worried and working fast and 
putting in their resources for the here and now and how they can have the best time here and now. And they're making, they're using their time for that. Well, how are we doing that as believers? Shouldn't we do that even more as God's disciples, right? Shouldn't we use our time? Shouldn't we use our resources, our talents for Him and His purpose, for His kingdom, right? What does that look like for us? Um, and I think He's wanting it to be eternal, right? We should look at things from eternal perspective. Um, the way we use our time, talents, and money should reflect what we believe about eternal life. So what we are doing here now should reflect what we believe about the things to come. And I know for me, this is hard. This is hard. The world fills us with so much distractions and so much here and now, possessions, and what are you going to do tomorrow, and uncertainty. You know, we just came out of COVID, and there's a war going on, and I think the world is like, you got to save yourself now. And, and we know that God is coming back, and we know as believers that heaven will one day come to earth. And so we need to be thinking of that through that perspective, not through the here and now that will waste away. And Jesus even tells us that um, in verse 9, And I tell you, make friends by yourselves uh, of worldly wealth, so that when it fails, they may welcome you into eternal dwellings. So really, Jesus is saying the time and money that we spend here now should be for the kingdom to come. That's what it should be doing. And as I pursued because this was a little strange to me. I had to dive deep and look um, what this means. Uh, it's actually pretty fascinating, I think, uh, what Jesus says right here. Uh, it is something I definitely wanted to make sure I did a good job of letting you guys know, because uh, I just think it speaks to God's character and how He is. So what He's saying here is when we give, and we give to the church, and we give to missions, and we give to Christians organizations that go out into the community and take the gospel— we may never meet those people, right? We may donate and give money uh, to the Lord, and we, it goes overseas or it goes to different states. We may never get to meet those people, but one day in heaven, God's keeping track and keeping records, and how cool would it be from someone around the world uh, wanted to know how they heard the gospel and how they had Jesus brought to them, and Jesus looks through the book, and he's like, oh, that was uh, the members of Grace Fellowship Church. Um, and these are their names. If you want to go thank them, you can. And maybe they'll invite you to their mansion. I don't know exactly what that looks like, but that's pretty awesome, I think, and cool. Um, and I don't think of often. Uh, I didn't think of that before, but God can take our money here and use it, and we're going to meet people in eternity for it. So he says, friends in eternity. And Joel mentioned earlier, and I thought it was a great time to mention this, but Generosity Sunday is coming up next week. So in this light, to know that as we give, we're going to hopefully meet brothers and sisters in Christ. What will that look like for us, you know, to do that here uh, this, this, this next week and for this season? Um, we don't know what that's going to look like. Maybe that's just one individual, which is awesome. I mean, we just read that God cares about just the one. Maybe it's a whole village. Um, we don't know, but that's where the faithful action of trusting God and being obedient to God comes in place, is that He is going to manage this well uh, when we're faithful, and we'll get to see the fruits of that later. And I think that's great and awesome. So I encourage you guys, even if you think, I remember discussing with Emily on one of these Generosity Sundays, I was like, we're only going to give this little bit extra. It's, that's kind of meaningless. It's not a big amount. But to God, being faithful in the little is, means being faithful in the much, right? God can take even what we think is small for us and move it, move mountains with it. Because he is God and he is like that. 
And I just think that was, this is a great transition as to Jesus was saying, being faithful in a little means you're faithful in a lot, right? He talks about that and how, you know, so we have not, um, how can we, he trusts you with what is genuine if we haven't been faithful with what is here now. And so how are we being faithful with the little that we have? How are we being perfect? How are we being faithful with the little that we have in the small things that God has given us? Shows us how faithful we care about the big things as well. Because the little things matter to God. And I honestly forget that. We had life group recently. And uh, in our life group, I remember um, one of the, the ladies were talking about something small in her life. And she was like, why should I even bring this to God? He doesn't have time for my small need. But yet he does. And he cares about that small need. Because he's a caring God. And again, I think we see that just from the scripture that was read earlier. The one small coin seemed not valuable, but she found it and brought everyone together and they celebrated it. And that's how God is with us. He even cares about the small things. So what are we doing, even with a little bit of faith, a little bit of action, so that he can entrust us with bigger responsibility and bigger action? And then also in this I think a lot of times, too, I forget that my job I have, um, the resources I have, where I'm at is all from God, right? God has just lent us all this. We're on borrowed time and borrowed money from the Lord. And so how do I change my mind, change my heart to remember that this is not mine, this is His? And so how am I stewarding that well for the future? And that is what I think uh, has hit me the most is just... Remembering that here and now matters, and it's because God has given that to us for a reason and a purpose. And so Jesus kind of closes this parable down as he goes through it, and he says, No one can serve two masters, since either he will hate one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. So we see here that that God is talking about, and again, this is kind of in mind where the verses right below are the Pharisees, and they were lovers of money. But basically, this goes to our heart. Uh, we, we sing the song of a heart of worship, but God wants to know what our hearts are after and be, what is the motivation behind that. And I think sometimes we get lost in just how much things and how much time uh, can take possession of us, and we have to really fight to make sure God is still number one, and these other things are not. Uh, this is a sad story I want to read, but I feel like it hits home on this point of we can't have two masters, and obviously one um, will rule over the other, even if we want to vocally say uh, that's not the case. On a Friday afternoon in 1990, a businessman staggered to the steps of his Los Angeles office. Before he died of a gunshot wound to his chest, he called out the names of his three children but he still had his $10,000 Rolex clutched in his hand. He was a victim of RAS Rolex robberies in that area at the time, and he was killed as a sacrifice to his God. So how sad of that, that if he could have given up that watch, he might have been able to have his life spared, but the watch was too important to him. And I think, and there's a truth that we need to know this morning, that if we value things more than God, they can take us down. Um, and then that also, again, tells us that Jesus said in the Gospel of Matthew, where your treasure is, your hearts will also be. 
So again, God is focused on what is our heart of worship. And how are we spending our time, our talents, our money? Is it for Him or is it for ourselves? And this is hard, and it's hard to wrestle with. I think Joel had me speak this week because he could get off the hook with preaching something hard like this. I'm just kidding, Joel. Uh, I know that was uh, my own doing. Um, I'm preaching on this. Uh, But this is hard. Um, But we can take courage that God... Um, will help us in this. And I just want to share that with you. Uh, I would say over the last few years, Joel mentioned um, that I'm planning on pursuing the seminary, and he's really changed my heart and my perspective. Um, I, c- I can know Emily can attest for that. But even just how I view the world and how I view my time and money, um, it's just changed. I would rather send a kid, hopefully, to youth camp to hear about the Lord than spend it $50 on this shirt that I'm going to wear four times. Um, he's just really helped change my perspective. But the biggest thing for me um, is, was probably how I spent my time. Uh, I love sports. I love football, uh, college football player. So that was my life for about 15 years. Um, and I'm also from Georgia. I'm a Georgia Tech fan. We're not very good at sports, at least right now. I think our baseball team is like the only good sport team that we have. Um, but for a while, uh, early on uh, in my marriage, I'd say like about two or three years ago, we did have a decent team, but I spent so much time consumed on the team, consumed on um, the games we're playing, trying to attend the games, all this time and resources for it, and I was struggling spiritually. I was very stagnant in my growth, in my um, walk with the Lord, and I thought that it showed that, and God really... We had a big wrestling match, and he won, of course, because that's God, right? I mean, we saw that with Jacob. Um, You can't really wrestle God and win, but he really wrestled my heart of those things were my idols. I could say that, no, I love God. Um, No, he's so much important. But my time and where I spend in that was showing something opposite. Um, I was deceiving myself um, saying that. And so I want us this morning to really think on that. And think, again, where our treasure is, our hearts will be also. And, again, have hope, because God is a God of change, and He changes us and gives us what we need to help. Um, But I kind of want to close out the sermon this morning uh, with perspective uh, that Joel has uh, on this parable. Uh, As we went back and forth and were um, exchanging notes and exchanging topics, um, I love this one perspective, because... Again, I think Jesus was talking about money here and how we steward our time and steward our, our resources because uh, we see that just with the Pharisees, we're lovers of money, and it kind of fits the text. But I also just love um, this perspective that Joel brought on it. So back to the unrighteous manager and the owner. The uh, unrighteous manager knew that judgment was coming, right? Something was going to happen to him, and he was trying to save himself. His, his goal was self-preservation, self-preser- uh, And that was what he wanted to do. And so as believers, how do we respond when we get in difficult situations? When times are uncertain, how are we going to respond? I think our instinct and our goal is to save ourselves for self-preservation, right? But when we face difficult times in our job, uh, in our marriage, raising kids, the goal should not be preserving ourselves or saving ourselves, but it should be in the dealing with it with wisdom that God wants us to in a manner worthy of his kingdom. That's how we should be thinking when things get tough. 
we should be acting wisely in a manner that is worthy of his kingdom and not for ourselves and self-preservation. Um, and so I love that. And this is going to bring me to my final point here. If the unrighteous manager acted with wisdom to preserve himself when he knew judgment was coming, how much more should followers of Jesus show in wisdom, preparing for judgment of God that is coming on the world? So we saw that the unrighteous manager saw what was going to happen. He was going to get fired. He knew judgment was coming. And as believers, we know that judgment is going to return to the earth, right? Jesus is coming back, and he is going to bring judgment this time. He brought salvation his first time. He's bringing judgment this time. So what are we doing as believers to prepare for his return? How are we thinking of his return and living and acting in that way? Um, And so as the unrighteous manager, when he acted shrewdly or wisely, it was in the hope and the kindness that these other people uh, would be able to help him out, right? They're going to get him out of the situation when he falls. And so his hope was in the kindness of other people. As for us as believers... We know judgment is coming. Our self-preservation move or for ourselves should be our faith in the salvation of Jesus. That's where we're going to save ourselves. It's not in us. It's in the faith and salvation of Jesus, and that's how we should be thinking and acting. And for those of you, um, this is going to switch the audience now. Maybe you're not a believer or follower of Jesus um, this morning. And so as much as you hope, as much as you would like... Um, for it to be, and maybe you're saving yourself, or it may be the good works of your family member or of a friend. Uh, unfortunately, the news is, is that's not going to cut it uh, to be in God's kingdom one day. Uh, because of our sinful nature as humans, uh, that we have rebelled against God and we sin against God, and there has to be some type of sacrifice. And unfortunately, ourselves is never good enough. And so I want you to think and be thinking this morning, praying, uh, we're praying for you. But if you want to have a conversation of what it looks like to follow Jesus uh, and what that looks like, please find me, please find Joel or one of our staff members after service because we want to talk to you about it. This uh, matters. This time here matters. Uh, and we don't know how much time we have. So I just want to tell you that. And I also want to tell you the last part of Luke 16 uh, that we didn't read this morning, but Jesus tells a parable of Lazarus and the rich man. And basically, Lazarus' uh, trust and faith was in the Lord, and he was found in heaven. And unfortunately for the rich man, he had the best here and now, and he was focused on here and now, and he was in anguish, anguish and torment, and he was in that for, for eternity. And unfortunately, uh, that's in a place called hell. And so as a believer, uh, as a non-believer, that is where you will be. So I hope you can ponder that this morning and think about that serious matter. Um, But I will close, uh, and then we will dismiss. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you uh, just for your word. I thank you for this day, God. Uh, I'm just thankful uh, that you care about us enough to send your son Jesus on the cross to forgive us for our sins uh, so that we may live in eternity with you. And Lord, um, let us just practice what we've been taught so that we can be more like Christ this morning and bear more fruit for the kingdom. Let everything we do be in line with your word and be with us as we leave this place and grant us peace in our hearts. And in Jesus' name, we believe. I pray, amen.
Thanks so much for checking out our message today. We hope you are challenged and blessed by it. We want to invite you to come and worship with us in person if you live in the Tri-Cities area. We meet on Sunday mornings at 9 and 1045 a.m. at One Fellowship Point in Kingsport, Tennessee. You can also get more information about us from our website or our mobile app. Have a great day.